take a very real journey through the life of one man, Davy Rowe, and the inner deep stories that drove him from very humble beginnings in the northeast of England to building one of WA's premier air conditioning companies, Vortec, and then seeing that company fold, but then re-emerging from the ashes to build the EQ Wellness Centre in Wangara. This is a truly fascinating story on so many levels that's packed full of golden life nuggets. From going out into the world as a young man, building a multi-million dollar company, the highs and lows of life's journey, and opening up to yourself and unleashing the beauty and power within. Again, the extra depth of this conversation is Davy's recognition of the deep stories at a belief level that he took on board as a child that drove him to all his successes, but then passed its use-by date and then became the major factor in his undoing. Davy is a very open, honest and lovable man who has done the work within, which makes this such an approachable and powerful conversation. For the listener, in addition to being drawn into Davy's journey, you'll be challenged to consider the stories that lie deep within yourself. So enjoy, Davy. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. WA Real captures people's truths and stories. Why is that? So you yourself can explore your own truth and your story to live a more conscious life. Today I have the great pleasure of having Davey Rowe on the show. Davey, welcome to WA Real. Yeah, cheers, Bryn. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I say welcome to WA Real. I'm actually sitting here in your wonderful EQ <laughs> centre in these wonderful Chesterfield chairs. Yeah, it's the first first outing for the chairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And and we're going to get into the, the, the history of the EQ centre in a yeah. bit and you moving into a, a life purpose coach. But one of the first questions I, I thought I'd ask you is um, with everything that's been going on, What's been on your mind the most recently? Um, I guess planning, planning the next 20, 30 years. Brilliant. <laughs> That's a good leg- long-term aye. legacy view. Aye. aye, planning the next stage of my life, aye. That's, yeah. that's, aye. That's exactly what it is, aye, yeah. And you're how old? Uh, I'm 58, 59 this year. So planning the next 30 years of your life. I'm not going to die till I'm 93 apparently. Good. (laughs) Well, it's nice to have the intel on that. It's it's funny. I had this this dream a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and we went out with a few friends of ours and it's suddenly just the one about birthdays and whatever and this and getting old and, oh, I says, I'm not dying till I'm 93. It was like, what? What are you on about? I says, I had this dream last night. It's just come to us now. And it was like, I says, I don't know. It was just literally in this dream, whatever happened, happened. And it was like, yeah, you're not dying till you're 93. And I thought, that's canny, like, yeah, I've got a little bit to go. It's good. It's good. <laughs> so now, based on that, you're actually planning the next. Well, not just based on that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that's my plan. I, I so just. What's uh, in the plan? Roughly. The next. The next 25, 30 years, I think, um, to serve to serve others, mm. to give back and to serve others, you know, I think it's uh, as, as, I was, as I was once served, you know, like as I was helped and whatever and guided, you know, mm. is to really is to try and serve as, as many people as I can and guide as many people as I can, you know. Mm. Do you think that there's, um, it's interesting you say to, to serve, I recently came across this idea of like there's these three steps of 
how the soul develops during life. The first one is like around, it peaks out with the dependency on your parents. Mm. And then that wanes and you start becoming less and less and less dependent upon your parents. And then as you come out the trough of that, then the next thing is almost like the, the peak of the individual mm. power where you, def you define yourself as this, not that, and that, not this. And then you almost get to the apex of the individual power when it's like, I don't know, around about your 40s or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, as an individual, there's only so far you can go. And oh. then that erodes and you start having your shadow come in. Yep. So all that time yep. when you said, I am this, but not that. Yeah, yeah. That comes back. Without a doubt. And you sort of oh. become more. And then that erodes and that's where, yeah. you know, people call it like midlife crisis or yeah, yeah. midlife alignment. It's exactly, yeah. And then you almost like let go to the bigger, oh, God, yeah. consciousness, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And then once you let that into your life, then you're into this part of service. Mm. It's like those three sort of peaks mm. in it. Is, is that kind of where you see yourself now going? Yeah, without a doubt. But I think it's, I think even that, even no matter what, what part of that, um, that phase you're in in your life, even if it's early and you depend on your parents, there's all these tiny little peaks and troughs within mm. that. Oh, yeah. And this and this hero's journey, you know, which which we're familiar with, you know, with the work we've done, is just constantly occurring. Mm. And and I when I first when I first sort of got into that that concept of like the hero's journey, I remember thinking, Oh, it's one circle, the circle of life, whatever, and it's like, no, dearie, it's every it can be every month, every year, every five, whatever it is. Every it is. hour, every day, every hour, every week, whatever it is. Hundreds of these heroes' yes. journeys cracking yes. along. And it's just, con but it's, the more you become <coughs> aware of it, the more you see it. Mm. But exactly what you're saying, I think that's, aye, that's a great description. You know, you've got like three major phases of your life. And I was talking to a lad the other day, and I've done a little bit of research about this with regards to the work I'm doing with the men's work and that. And they reckon like in your mid-30s, which is maybe the part you're the first phase, yeah. you, you're not as dependent on your parents, whatever, in your mid-30s, you, like as a man, you go through this cycle of like questioning, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. You've still got a mortgage, you've still got dependents, you've got your family, you've got to keep them safe, you've got to provide for them. As a man, that's our job, you know, that's built in generational ancestry, mm. you know, that's what we get to do. That's what gets role model and pushed yeah, down to us. All yeah, it's all, that's, that's the stamp, that's it, next, next, that's the way you've got to be. And of course, and you're doing your thing, but at the same time, in the 30s, it's you're questioning, really? Like, is this it? Is this, you know? And then it's like, well, you've got to, you've still got bills, so you just get on with it. And yeah. you have to go back in the main and just back in the trenches and just hard work again. And then, of course, the midlife crisis period of life, you know, 50s, you know, you've maybe, you've maybe paid off most of your mortgage or your mortgage or whatever. It's like you've, you've provided kids up, safety, kids has grown up, kids have left the home, you know, you oh, and your last. Space and yeah, and you can go on nice holidays and you can afford to do this for. So you've got a little bit of breathing space, a little bit of freedom. And then it's the big, you know, like, mm. what the hell is this it? It's interesting because you know? as you said that, you know, you start to have that breathing space. You have that space. And then when you have that space, that's when the intuition and, and the bigger questions, mm, yeah, those gentle little quiet questions start to come up. And we, look, we all get them, I believe. We all get them. Like you go on like a couple of week holiday and you sit on the beach. Yeah. Like the first couple of days, your brain's yeah. fried yeah. and it's calming yeah. down. You might drink a shit tub yeah. just to calm it down and yourself. 
and then you start like yeah chilling and chilling yeah. and chilling and then you're reading the book and then all of a sudden you're going for a walk on the beach and you're like <laughs> why the uh, fuck am i doing what i'm doing when i'm uh, back at home and uh, then and these questions start come up. why why is it that i work in an office i always wanted to be a yeah, yeah. whatever uh, and and yet you come back and then it's like uh, back into it uh, yet the interesting thing we've just had is we've just had you know like the obvious lockdown period here in the yeah, way yeah. of yeah. like eight ten weeks mm -hmm. Everything's been, and it's almost the more I speak to people, the more they've had this quieter time. Mm. And as we start to emerge, I've started to feel a lot more people just sort of going, No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, and it's more widespread. Well, I think the, the questions have always been there. Mm. I think even as a child, you are like, You know, am, am I really you know, these are my friends? Am I happy doing this? Am I happy doing that? What subjects at school you might be, whatever it is, you know, whatever you're going through. With your siblings, whatever, there's them questions are like bigger picture, like what's this about? What's this? But of course, at that age, you, you just well, it was for me, and it, and it, but you're just pushing it down because this is what yeah. you do, this is what life's about, and you just and you uh, and there is no space to no, explore that. No, we there? haven't got time. If you you haven't got time, and even if you do try and bring it up, I mean, like anyone wants to listen at that age, it's no, 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 or, or at any age, it's like you know, what the hell are you talking about? Dude? Yeah, like let's get back to yeah. tits and carburetor yeah. and footy. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah without a doubt, isn't in late in life, I. But it's but you're dead right. It's like you know, and even like your teens drinking, going out, girls, you know, sex, blah blah, and all that. And it's it's a bit of a like this is this is the expectation of your life, and this is what you will do, and this is in your community, in your in your in your, in your family, literally, this is the expectation. So you have to go down this path, and the rebels that don't some of us that's and I'm not saying I was a big rebel but I was I've always been a bit of a like out of an I've always I, I felt as if I've seen things differently mm. and I've just wanted to go my own way yeah there was a I grew up in um in Bladen in Newcastle back in England back in England right really like hard Which for listeners explains the accent yeah exactly <laughs> I I northeast of England I but it's like it was like a really hard up place and that and whatever and the and the story was from Bladen. You started work, you grappled your bollocks off, and then only then could you afford to go and live in Winlayton. So Bladen was at the bottom of the bank, and Winlayton was like the top of the bank, the if top you of the there, hill. You'd made it. Yeah, that's your aspiration. And it was actually called Hungry Hill. To get there, it was called Hungry Hill because wow. they couldn't afford to feed the kids because we're paying the mortgage. So we, we literally called it as kids, Hungry Hill. Oh, where do you live? I live up Hungry Hill. And it was like your parents couldn't have, you know, it wasn't yeah, true, yeah. but that was like the, that was the nickname. So anyone that had actually made it went to Winlayton. And of course, when, when me and Angie were courting him, we're like, you know, getting the next stage of our lives and we're going to live together. It was like, will we get a house up Winlayton and whatever? And it was like, no, let's be different. Let's, let's go to Crow Crook. And that was, that was another place towards Hexham area like a little bit not in the country yeah. but 10 minutes from the country and it was just to be different yeah but it was i mean there was there was a classic with me and angie i mean i'd always lived in a council house because you know we're pretty hard up in a sense and um and angie was she lived in hungry hill she lived yeah. she lived up in late and both her parents were working and they had money in a sense they had a job and they'd work in you know back and this is back in the bloody 70s and in the 80s you know and of course, it was like when we were going to get together. I'm like, oh, we'll put my name on the council house list. Like, we'll 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 have to get a council house. Yeah. 
And Angie was like, what are you on about? There's no way we're getting a council house. But I didn't know any different. I didn't know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we can't afford to build our own house. And she's like, of course we can. And I didn't have a clue. Yeah. I didn't have a clue. It was like my early 20s. And we sat down and it was like, there's the, the first b- time when you went. Yeah, there's the budget. And it was like, why don't we just see him, get a deposit? And, and I thought, bloody hell, we're going to own our own home. You know, like we're going to get it. Wow. Get, it was huge, man. It was a massive step for me personally, because I'm thinking, I didn't know any different. I thought we'll just get a council house. And she was like, no, no, me and you will save. And, and it was just like, and we did. And within three months, I think four months, we had a deposit. And we bought a little Barrett's home. I don't know, I remember yeah, Barrett's the builder. And we bought a little one bedroom, like studio house, and ups, a downstairs and an upstairs house, you know, like a tiny little, tiny little house, you know, that was our first home. I think it was 16 and a half grand or something. Yeah, wow. Uh, uh, it was brilliant, I. Uh. That was, um, I think that was 80, 83, I think, 84. Uh. So how did the boy from, or the young man from North East England end up in Western Australia? I mean, what did you know about Australia when you were growing up? You know, you know at, at the bottom of Hungry Hill. <laughs> well, not a lot to be honest. I went. I'm a sheet metal worker. Yeah. So I, um, so I got a, I got an apprenticeship as a sheet metal worker, and then a week out of me apprenticeship, we basically mean this mate of mine, Mickey Cottrell, got asked into the office to see the foreman, and he's like, "Okay, guys, we're paying you off next week." And we were like absolutely gutted, you know. This was 1982, and it was like, "What do you mean you pay? We're like really good." And it was like, "I'm not going to pay your man's wages. These are still boys, you know." But we've qualified. We've got certificates and everything. Yeah. And it was just nana. Nah. That's and of course it was the best thing he ever did. But at the time we were devastated. Yeah. And it was just you out of a job, you know. So yeah. of course that was it. I was out of a job. So we eventually found other jobs and, uh, and I ended up in this other factory unit and I met a guy called Jeff Corkill yeah. and lovely guy, one of, one of my heroes in life, you know, beautiful man. I think he was three, four, four years older than me or something, lovely lad. And we worked together in the workshop and then Jeff just suddenly disappeared. And I thought, where the hell's Jeff gone? Anyway, a couple of months later, he come back in the workshop and he'd been working offshore on the rigs. And I'm like, what's the rigs? What's offshore? So he told us a story and then I went offshore and then we really connected with another couple of guys and the four we were really pally off on this rig. And this particular night, it was um, lashing down the rain, horizontal rain coming in, pissing down. And then we all went and hid around the corner. And of course, uh, one of the guys said to Jeff, tell us about Australia, Jeff. And I, I didn't even know Jeff had been in Australia and he'd been in 82, like early, yeah. you know? And, uh, and it was like, and I'm like thinking, bloody hell. And he started explaining about Australia, like Perth, he'd come to live in Perth for a year. He could only stay a year and then he got homesick. And he was just like, he was just uh, describing the place, how beautiful it was, how open, how clean. And then, and he turned to me and he says, Davy, he says, there's this drive, West Coast Highway. He says, you want to see it? He says, you list, he says, I drive out my way. He was living off Ocean Reef at the time. Mm. And the freeway, and he went up to Whitford's in them days. Yeah. And he says, I go on this coast road every time, David, from Scarborough. And I drive all the way up the coast road. He says, the beaches, man, David. He says, beautiful, pristine, white sands. He says, the ocean, crystal clear. He says, it's incredible, man. 
says you and I'm just like <gasps> go on, sold that was honestly literally it was like that it was just that's it I'm going to Australia right I'm going to and me and Angie had you know we're living together in Croker I think then or something and it was like everything was going great but it was like you know we wanted it, there was more yeah there had to be something more than what we you know there had to be something more and it was like we and we thought about emigrating we got in touch with um New Zealand uh Canada in Australia and this was like like originally like mm. a, a year or so previous to the conversation with Jeff we got knocked back from Canada in uh, in Australia because we weren't married and New Zealand said yeah please come in and we bottled it and we were like a yeah. bit like ah oh, no, I really wanted to get to Canada Australia and then but having this conversation with Jeff it was just like that's it right. and I rang Angie that night and I says uh, I says me news gonna emigrate Australia and it was like really I says I I says is what's happening and the and the four of us literally the four of us hiding on this rig. And we had these cups of tea like this. My granny cut us these um, gloves with a... Remember, step to her gloves? Yeah. You know, with the fingers out. With the fingers So you had yeah. the dexterity to pick the screws up and that. So yeah. I literally had a pair of these gloves, keep them warm with my fingers out like this, drink the cup of tea. And it was like... Uh, and we literally chinked the um, polystyrene cups. Let's all go to Australia, the four of us. And within a year, Jeff was back here. Yeah. Um, Phil was six months after Jeff and Colin was about the same time as Phil. And then Angie fell pregnant with Sam, our, our second our daughter. And then uh, that delayed us. And then 1990, we got here. Jeff, three months before I was getting here, Jeff returned back. He couldn't hack it again. Right. He couldn't stay. I So he went back again. He got homesick again. And then um, and Phil and Colin were here when I got here. And then Colin left within six months and Phil's still here. Phil is up at Exmouth. Right. Uh, basically retired, semi-retired, living the life. You know, he's got this nice, mm. uh, beautiful coffee van called the Short Order Local on the on the beach on the beach of Exmouth. That's his office. Beautiful, yeah. So obviously, um, life purpose coaching wasn't what you yeah. came and did. No, sheet metal worker. Hi, sheet con. metal worker. And then, how did we get to coaching? We. Um, so sheet metal worker, the company I was working for went broke within nine months of us getting here. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was basically sink or swim. So it was like, let's start one business, but didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue. So cleared out the bedroom, put an old desk in, got some cards printed, and literally me and Angie just wrote down what we think we have to do to start a business. And it was obviously get got him. Uh, didn't even have a phone in them days. No mobiles at that stage. Um, this was like ninety one, I think ninety two, and um, yeah, and just got some cards printed, and then I went through the yellow pages, A to Z, just rang everyone, and yeah, just did anything, anything for money, anything, mm. and just to survive. And uh, I, and then I was on the duel. Was that the rain, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Aye. And yeah. Uh, I, I was on the I was on the door for about three months and then yeah. um bought a borrowed five grand off the bank, lied to the bank. Said I was, you know. Anyway, I wasn't working, but I got got me five grand, bought a van for four grand and a thousand dollars worth of tools. And just like uh Aye, that was it. And then that was the start of Vortec. And then we started this business and it was literally did like domestic aircon and then into commercial and then it just grew. And this guy I was working for, 
And he was, he was quite arrogant and he had this attitude in the industry for being like a bit of a like real stickler, you know, I loved it. Because hmm. I knew that, I knew it, it had to be a certain standard which was exactly up my street about getting it spot on, perfect. Yeah, doing a good job. You know, doing a quality job, give, you know, I knew like it, it was, it was really sunk with me, like really connected with me. And a few of the lads, I'm not working with that wanker, for, you know. Yeah. And I was like, no, I like him. I like him. He was a bit aggroing, full of himself, but uh, he paid on time and, and his word was his bond and great businessman. And he yeah. uh, taught me a lot, you know. And he said, I want you to get your I want you to get your own phone, which was like a thousand dollars in them days. Yeah. Which was massive, you know. And he says that uh, get your own insurance, like workers comp and all that, and I want you to go proprietary limited, like a proper business. Yeah. And that was really the start of Vortec in ninety three. So we started the aircon company in ninety three and then um yeah, I just built it up over the years, and aye, that was it. And you got to being king of the castle. Aye, king of the castle. Uh, two thousand. It was funny because we we had a big hit in two thousand and seven. We lost three hundred and fifty two grand um, on a uh, June Love Shopping Centre with a company called uh, Diamond Diamond Industries. They went broke, and that that did with that hit were hard. And it was a bit of a like, let's have a go. Like literally me and Angie were like, we've got nothing to lose. And we had to put some money in with these um, investment properties we sold. And it was just, let's give it a go. And I got in, and I was really into feng shui. Yep. So I've, I've dealt with feng shui for years, you know, for about oh, yeah. 20 odd years. And I got this consultant in and had this factory in Junelup, this old crappy factory in Junelup, little factory. And was the only thing that was left when we'd sold everything else off. And we had ended up with this factory. And she's like, it's it's not facing the right direction. Are you are you familiar with feng shui? In that? Roughly, yeah. It's it's a lot of it's like the time, like the birth date, you know. So the year of the year the factory was built, yep. You know, like as a as a building or whatever. The year it was built, the way it's facing, and every every twenty one years, it's like the age of. It's called the age of eight, the age of nine, the age of ten, the age. You know, and every twenty one years, I think it is. It's a different age. Right. And of course, you have like prosperity points. You have like like wellness points and you have like um uh, so so basically it's like this it's like a compass so you basically di divide the place into different eight sections oh, so yeah. like a compass and each section represents a certain aspect of well-being yeah you know whether it's whether it's wealth relationships happiness no. um health you know and all this sort of thing you know so it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to get into like you know the feng shui anyway she came shady look and she's like Nah, it's not a very good place. It's not good for you. Knee one day, you're, like you got screwed. You know, knee one day you lost all that money, and it was like, all oh, right. And then we looked over, and we couldn't afford anywhere else. And it was about a few weeks later, and she come back and she says, um, she says, I've got an idea. I says, go on. She says, I was taught this off the off this grand master where I studied years ago. I says, go on. And she says, it's like it's classed as like a rebirth. And she says, but she says, it's a little bit alternate. I says, I'm listening. And she says, you've got to rip the roof off the building and open the doors and rip all the walls out and just let the chi energy literally come through the building. And it's in for six weeks, eight weeks, you've got to leave the building stripped like that. And I'm like, right. And I got the concept and I'm like, right. And she says, and then once that's this. done, 
yeah, yeah. Angie's, yeah, yeah. Angie's sitting there. So Angie's, you know, when I first got into Feng Shui years ago, the lads were like, you're crack as you. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? And I'm like, I'm open to anything, mate. I'm yeah. just reading a book. And this is like 5,000 year old, you know? It's yeah. not like someone's just made this up. I know. And said, I've got this great idea. Have a go at this. It's like, this is, this, this is thousands and thousands of years of wisdom. And, yeah. and especially like Eastern, Eastern sort of wisdom, you know, not like Western, like, you know, put our stupid blur on it, you know, and make a yeah. mess of it. So it's like traditional, traditional um, art, you know? And I says, right. And, and I said, okay. And she left it with us and me and Angie's like, what do you think? And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. This, you know, we didn't have much money. We'd been done for all this yeah. money. We'd kept the guys working and whatever. But of course, what, it, there's a bit of a lull until all the, the legal said when we had to go back on the job. And I had like 12, 14 guys I was employing. And it was like, we're doing work, but not super efficient and whatever. Yeah. I says, I'm doing it. And it was like, really? And I says, I. I says, oh, I will do it. We'll just do it. And it was like, right, we're doing it. And I rang the guys and they come down the next day. And I says, this is what we're going to do. I want you two on the roof. I want you to rip all the all the panels off, like literally the sheet metal panels. I says, I want you to rip all the panels off. So we move them all to one side. I want these walls down. We're going to knock this wall down. We're going to rip up all these tiles. We're literally going to gut the place. We're going to gut it and then we're going to leave it vacant like this for like six, eight weeks. <laughs> the lads were like, you're fucking nuts. And of course, that's what we did. Yeah. And, and we did it. And then we rebuilt it. We basically rebuilt it. We started a, and honestly, man, I mean, I got, I went to see all the other clients I was working for at the time and I said, I need seven day payments to survive. Because yeah. I was on like 30 days the end of the yeah. month. And, and every, every one of them like helped us and went, yeah, no problem. And the, you know, cause what, what a good business, we're like a good company, you know, yeah. we're doing the right thing. And of course everyone, so I started to get a lot more money in like straight away for doing the work. So I wasn't carrying it as much. Yeah. So of course the money seemed to come up a bit. And I thought, bloody hell, this is good. This is working. So of course we just started building this place and we and we designed the full office center, everything to suit feng shui principles. Right. We painted the walls like bright yellow, like a nice lemon yellow, yeah. you know? And then we put like the, they had like a prosperity point was now the front door. So yeah. we put two fountains, like we put a fountain next to the front door because the water represents um, yeah. like uh, money coming in, you know, like finance and that, you know, flowing water represents at the, at the prosperity point. So we put a fountain then anyway, within, within two years, we were literally doing some of the biggest jobs in Perth. And I remember talking to Tony, Tony Swales, a jolly lad we brought over years ago, a lovely kid. And uh, he's worked, he worked with for years, re really great lad. And I remember talking to Tony and, and we were just getting bigger and bigger, 20, 30 guys, 40 guys. And Tony's like, what the hell are you doing, Jerry? Man, it's too much. And I says, no. Nah. I says, we're going to be the biggest in Perth, mate. And he's like, why the fuck would you want that? And I says, I just want it. I says, that's what's going to happen. We're going to be the biggest in Perth, mate. Yep. Seriously, within the next two years, and we literally were within yeah. that two-year period and whether it was the feng shui whether it was just the attitude and i, I honestly believe it was the I, it was it was like everything come together yeah it was that what we got to lose let's just give it a go 
the feng shui was just like beautiful how it fell into place and it was a lovely place as well you know like like yeah. the like the office like this this has been designed as well with feng shui you know this yeah. this like the eq and obviously next door you know this was all designed to suit uh, feng shui and yeah and it just it was just a lovely place to work and had a nice feel you know and the guys and we just went up and up and up and then within four years well the biggest in perth that was 2014 and it was like yep and we're employing 75 80 guys and it was like how were you feeling at the time uh elated it was brilliant i mean a lot of pressure yeah loving it loving it just like just i under a lot of pressure you know working massive hours but making good money everything was good and then i the second big hit <laughs> the children's hospital perth children's hospital and what yeah. went on there got hammered i yeah we lost uh we lost 1.2 million and i think it was 14 months how did that happen um we got we got blitz really nice states company came over and Someone, someone said afterwards again a bit late. I was talking to someone who was working for this company at the time, and this says you are set up from the beginning. You know, it, right. could, it couldn't have the job couldn't have been done for the prices for what it was. Mm. You know, and we priced the job, and contractually we were so naive, so naive. I mean, Western Australia up to that point was all about shaking hands, yep. doing the right thing, old school. Old school. You know, respect. There's a purchase order. Obviously, the rules is on the back, but there's no need to read yeah. the rules because we both know we're both going to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do the job. I'm going to pay you. That's what's happening, you know? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, 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 great. So I'd had like sort of 10, I'd had 10 years of that in a sense. So it was like, why would it, or 20, you know, why would it be any difference? 20 years, why would it be any difference? Mm. And of course, um, yeah, that was the way it was. And we and we made good money and whatever throughout the, you know, we'd employed a lot of guys and done the right thing. But of course, we were so naive contractually and they come over from Eastern States and it was this, this like toxic feeling like of this, this, just this, I'm going to squeeze the life out of you. I'm going to take everything I can from you and not give you anything, which, which is like the biggest, bigger level of business in a sense. You know, when you get to that, yeah. you head above the clouds. Oh shit, this is what happens up here, is it? Yeah. It's like scary it's up, there. up there. Yeah, it's scary. It's darker up there. You know, like yeah. what the hell? The storm clouds are coming in. I and this company just come in and just absolutely hammered us, hammered us. And yeah, it was a, it was an absolute nightmare, mate. It's, it's, we'd spent, I think it was 1.8, 1.9 in a 14 month period, literally. And I had all the stats we were, was, like really organized or systemized the business at that stage and it was literally i had all the stats spreadsheets everything would spend 1.8 1.9 and they'd paid were about 650 700 grand and i'm like you're sending with fucking broke there it is you need to pay money you need yeah. to pay me and they were they were cutting back on the percentages were claiming they weren't paying any variations they were like backdooring what on this, we didn't agree to that. And I'm like, there's the email you did. You could never cut, you know, I, I need a meeting. And it was like, I'm too busy. And it was just ruthless, absolutely ruthless attitude. Yeah. But it was like typical, I guess, Eastern States, as I've heard, Eastern States, the big boys, you know, we know what, the, what we're doing. We'll come to Perth and we'll, 
you know. Really a new one. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened, Dine. They just they just absolutely decimated were you know. So what did that, that was, do for you personally? Oh fuck. That was that was the lowest point in my life. That was seriously that was the lowest point in my life, mate. Mm. It was um suicidal thoughts. Like really real dark place. Yeah. Like the pain, you know, when you're in you know, I don't know if you've ever have you ever have you ever had like suicidal thoughts? Have you ever been like to a point like so so down where you're thinking? It'd be better if you just weren't here. Yeah, but it's but you know you want to live. You know you want to live, but it's just this this thing suddenly drifts over you like mm. what the fuck? It's like this, the pain is just so it's tight, you know, you kinda breathe. Mm. You know, it's like there's someone compressing your chest and it's just just anxiety and stress and just, it's all of this I stuff. I numbed. Aye, yeah. Numbed, just, completely numbed. Yeah, yeah. And your brain and everything just closes in. It's like, it's, you're just like getting compressed. And it's like, what the hell's happening? And you can feel it coming. You know it's coming. But then, then and especially mm. the first time it ever happens. Yeah. The first time it ever happens when it's, and it's like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Just like disbelief of like, well, just do your normal stuff, and the normal stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Whether whether it's playing football, getting out, going to the gym, having a beer, having a beer with the guys, having a chat, going out for a nice meal, playing with the kids, whatever, whatever it is, it is. Yeah. It's just the tools in the box don't work. Dead. Either's like you've got any tools. It's like well, I'm using everything. I don't know what to do, and I don't know, and that and that's the. That was really like one of the. I I was horrible. It was a horrible situation. And yeah, and, and of course it was like, that was, that was really, I went to see, I went to see lawyers and fuck, that's another story. I went to see bloody, this lawyer in Perth, cost us, I rang him up and it was five grand to speak to him and, and he's, you know, anyway, a sidekick. And I went and sat down to them, five grand for a conversation, an hour's conversation. And it was like, yeah, yeah, anyway, within 20 minutes, he's like, yeah, yeah, just walk off the job. And I'm like, what? And I says, I'm not walking off the job. I cannot walk off the job. Yeah. It was just, I couldn't do it, you know? Mm. And it was like, well, you've got it. He says, you've got a cancer in the business. It's going to kill the business. You've got a great business. Everything else is working. These people are screwing you. These people are taking you down. You need to walk off the job. And it was just so matter of fact, like, un, like no emotion, no empathy, no. And it was just like, bloody hell. And I, the reality was, that's what we had to do, but I couldn't do it. Why couldn't you do it? I just, well, I, to me, it was, I was in a, so I was in tech, tech group. Mm. And, um, and I did a presentation and I broke down. At this, I broke down when I was doing this presentation and it was, and everyone, and I mean, it was a great place to be. Non-judgment's a great, um, like, uh, it's a great thing to go and, you know, the tech group with regards to getting knowledge and helping each other. But of course, it's all numbers and just, you know, without that emotion and without yeah. that care, you know, and it's sense they care for you. But obviously, they're just, you know, it's In all like just, way. yeah, it's logic stuff. It's like, how can we help you, Davy? And of course, I broke down and it was like, blah, blah, blah. The lawyer's right. You've got it. And I, and I realised then I was holding on, like I was letting my father down because my father died when I was young. I was eight year old when my oh, father right. died, and that was my that was my 
big push throughout life. That was the story. Yeah. That, that was, was the drive. Yeah, that was the story. I. And so often in these conversations I have with people, it's that when everything collapses, oh. that's when the truth of the story that's guided and pushed you. You know, like when yeah. you said to your friend, Tony's asking you, why do you want to be so big? Yeah. And you're like, because I just want it. Of course, it's the You proof. think you want it. Of course. It's actually this I'm a story. Child. I'm a child. So when my father dies when I was eight, and I made it mean I had to provide for my family. Mm. I mean, I've done so much work on myself and read and different things over the last, you know, bloody 20 odd years, whatever. Yeah. And of course, I made it mean that I had to provide for my family as an eight-year-old child. And of yeah. course, which is like impossible. But of course, I've grew up with this belief, not knowing I had this. Yep. This thing inside this that says you underlying will. Underlying system. This like drive. Story. And I became literally this possessed man. This driven machine that was going to be successful. And, and, I, and when I'm saying it's a bit like, I've always went against the grain in a sense. Of, oh, I want to, I do want to go to Win Leighton, Hungry Hill. We'll go to Crow Crook. We'll pick somewhere different. Yeah. You know, we'll go to Australia. That's different. We'll start one business. That's different. Yeah. We'll be successful. That's different. You know, but it's like just drive, 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 drive. drive. drive, drive. And I was, I was once describing this to my mate once, and he's like, bloody hell, that's it. And, and I says, do you know what? I says, all through my life, all through my life, I've got Angie in that hand there. I says, I've got the two kids in this hand here. And I says, and I am plowing through water and it's up to my chest and I am fucking, fucking driving it. like this. Yeah. And I am fucking pulling them like this. Yeah. And their feet are like flapping, trying to keep up. And yeah. I'm like, come on, wow. fucking come oh, on. You. And this and this wake and this water just comes away from my chest and I am fucking going for it, you know? And I says, all of my life I've been like that, you know? And uh yeah, and that was that was the big thing, you know, obviously like to to look for me father's approval. I'm proud of your son. You know, obviously. It was in that presentation it just oh, cracked oh, and the truth it of was, it. Right. Well that that came that came a few years earlier when I did Landmark, Landmark Forum. Right, yes. I did Landmark when I was um I think I was forty, forty two. So and that was that was incredible. That's when I got um choice. You yep. know, I have a choice, which I never, I never knew I had a choice. Yep. <laughs> it's like, so ridiculous, man. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean I've got a choice? Yep. That's, I got choice out of the Landmark Forum, which was just massive, yep. massively powerful. And then I got, I'm doing what I'm doing because all I've ever wanted is my father's love. Yeah. My father's understanding and my father's acknowledgement of like, yeah, I'm proud of your son, you know. Yeah. Which was, you know, and of course he was dead. You know, so of course I'm so a dog. So you're never going to get it. I mean, well, I did get it. I did. Get, <laughs> I did get it. And, um, that was what ayahuasca. Yeah. And rhythmia, you know. But um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was uh, I. So that's, that was you, it. I. So you walked off the job. So yeah. So basically, we we started a down man, and they literally they. So I've heard, you know, from behind the scenes, they were like. He, he cannot he, he can't be doing such a th stupid thing in the sense of we've got all his money, you know, but at the same time, 
if I'd kept going, I would have been broke. Yeah. Literally, I would have been broke with it. And this was in the October, 2014, October 2014. By February, we'd run out of money. And, and we'd been working for 20 years, yep. built this great business up. It'd and we'd been drained and gone. And literally within, I think it was 12, 14 months, they'd literally just, just drained, just cut mm. me throat. Literally, I was, I was dying. You know, the blood was just pouring out of us. They were just, yeah. thieve, just sucking us dry, you know, financially. And uh, yeah, and so we, they then terminated the contract. Lawyers involved again, and it was just bang. That's it. You're gone. End of conversation. You've lost one point two mil. Yeah. That was it. And it was just fuck. Huge hit. That was two thousand fourteen. And it was just like, what do you do? We'd survived. You know, we'd survived. I mean, financially, it was massive. It was a massive hit. Two thousand and twelve. I think or thirteen, we'd had the best year we'd ever had, and within within a year, two years, we'd lost a lot. You know, it had all gone. You know, one a bit mill, it was just bang gone. And then we ended up working up at Midlands Hospital. That was another bit of a shambles. <laughs> and then, of course, and then we ended up working on the Perth Stadium. Uh, three years later, and that was when it really <laughs> come to an end. You know, hi. And um, by that point, when you say it came to an end, did it come to an end financially or did it come for an end energetically for you, David? Energetically, to be honest with you, 2014 took... Everything. Oh, fuck. Yeah, took so much out of me personally. Like emotionally and just like the want, the drive. So the recognition of from my father's thing to that is like, because of course from the landmark back in early 2000s I'm thinking I've ticked the box that's the reason why I do what I do that's what it is so consequently I've solved that puzzle that's mm. that one that's sorted of course that you know you <laughs> it's nothing's ever sorted no. so of course it's you just deal with it differently you know and of course so 2014 when it reared its head again I can't walk off the job because I'm letting my father down like like emotionally it was just that's where I broke down and you know I realized and it was like bloody hell so then I knew that I had choices from like early with a with a landmark yeah. thing. So it was I can choose to downsize. So I chose to like drop the drop the business down a bit. Yep. Um we parted company with a few staff. We're doing the Midlands Hospital, we then ended up doing the Docker Stadium and the um Perth Stadium with a company. And yeah, we're like back in the game, things were better. But things were still a bit tight everywhere, you know. The industry yeah. was getting really toxic. There was a few other Eastern States companies in. And the full attitude in WA was all about greed. Steal any way we can, just cheat you, just just screw the mm. subby. So that, screw be, the that subby. came into the overall Western Australian business company. Right from the builders. All as soon as soon as the builders got power, soon as the soon as the unions lost their power, soon as the in our game mechanical consultants lost their power. Because yep. the mechanical consultants used to override um, all the mechanical services companies, and they used to really pick and hand pick these guys, you know. Yep. And as soon as they so lost, you got rewarded for excellence. Yeah, yeah. All of that's gone. All of that's gone, and now it's just dog eat dog. And now you've got the builders who have control, and they're the most ruthless out of everyone, mate. Mm. And they will literally cut your legs off to save a dollar. 
they will just screw, 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 and just play games. And there's no loyalty, mate. There's the days of there's my price, and it's. I mean, I knew it. We used to get you. We used to get the phone calls off different guys. I've just been told your price on this job. You know, blah blah blah, and I've undercut it, and I'm going to be doing it. And it's like, what the company I've sent my price? It, it was like it was, mate. It was rife, shafted left rife, rife in Western. It's been happening for years with the builders, mate. Yeah, happening for years with the builders throughout this industry, construction industry, mate. If they yeah. did a royal commission on the construction industry, Christ, man, honestly, <laughs> they would put it. Put it Maybe Catholic Church look good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, but you know yourself, the royal commission's just absolute waste exactly. of time. Oh, there's, there's 60 recommendations, yeah. and uh, we've done half of one five years later. And that's in that Royal Commission cost of 20 mil, you know, what a load of yeah. crap, a load of waste of time. They're just bloody high. So, yeah, so that was it. So then, end of, end of 2000, and, oh, well, end of 2016, beginning of 17, that was the big hit on the stadium. Um, we just didn't get paid, and again, 925. Yeah, it was um, 1.15 million. Um, so I was in, so contractually I'd really educated myself since the children's hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd really educated myself and I'd got a guy in as well, you know, as we sort of project manager, general manager, and he was he was quite to affair with contracts and that. And then we'd got a lawyer in, we'd spent 60 grand with an outside lawyer to go through the contract. So we'd basically, done the job we done the job properly before we started the job and it was secure yeah and in and, and part of this contract was the main part of this contract and this took a lot of going back and forward with this company but the main part of this contract was if the project is delayed for any reason outside of vortex responsibility we will issue the company we're working for with a delay notice and they will issue us with an extension of time yeah. Okay, so we've got 18 yeah, months to do the job. If we can't get on with that job in a certain area, we will say there's a delay notice and they will say, yes, no problem. There's the extension of time. So the end contract date extends out. Yeah. Great. So after a couple of months, three months, miles behind, you know, but there was early days with the job. Yeah. By about the fourth or fifth month, we were thinking, bloody hell, we should have been about bloody 15, 20%, when we about 3% on the job here. So we did a we did a program up in this like a histogram and everything with regards to you know, and again Excel and it was all worked out hours on the job yep. blah blah cost so it was literally how many hours how many hours the guys has done so it was all systemized and it was just every week the girl Jenny she was brilliant just click 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 bang and it just self populated you know bush we should be ten percent we're only three percent yeah we should be fifteen percent we're only eight percent we should be twenty percent we're only ten percent. You know, so suddenly we're 20%, so I'm wanting, so I'm like, put me notices in. And basically, yeah. we put these notices in over a nine-month period. Yeah. And, of course, right near the end, near the end of 2016, and, and of course, the company we're working for couldn't get the drones, I couldn't get the, it was just a shambles. And the long and the short of it, there was 30-odd drones, like, delivered to the workshop in one day, in two days. And we were like, that can't be. How the hell can they suddenly release 30 odd drones? So we got in touch with the workshop and he's like, that's what I'm looking at. They can it, they haven't been approved. So a lot of these drones that they'd released, because we're getting that much pressure off the build off multiplex, yeah. was just get the job done, get the job done, because you're so far behind. 
And of course, they then start to deliver, make all this ductwork and all this stuff, making all this stuff, getting to the job, and of course, none of it fitted. There were so many problems on the job and the delays were massive. And we were trying to, and obviously all the pipe work was in, electrical stuff, so all the other building, all the other services had got on with their job. But of course, the aircon side of it was miles behind. Mm. And we lost 250 grand in the November from what we paid out in wages to what we'd actually invoiced. And it was like, that's it, one a meeting. So we had the big sit-to meeting. And we come to some agreement that they were actually gonna take over the guys. You know, mm. through the negotiation, they were gonna take over my guys. I was gonna drop out the industry and just have a little team of guys. And they were gonna take my guys over and finish the job. Mm. And then we got to that agreement and then they were going to pay an hourly rate. And then when we invoiced it the December, they were like, no, we're not paying it. And I'm like, that's what you've agreed. We've just had meetings. I've got, I've got the minutes of the meeting with, that's what, yeah. what the fuck, what the, how can you? And it was, nah, we're not paying it. And it was just like, you fucker. And that was it, I. And then, and then of course. Where was your rage levels at that? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Well, that was that was early at that stage, and then basically, uh, 28th of December, um, about 5:15, we got a letter to say your contract's been terminated. You won't be paid another cent from the Perth Stadium project, the Dockers Stadium, we're doing Coburn, and we knew the figure straight away is 1.15 million. Yeah, and we won't pay you another cent. And we believe you've breached the contract. You haven't done this, this, and this. And it was all, you know, obviously according to us, just bullshit, just absolute bullshit. We got straight onto the lawyers, we did this legal thing, and then it was, you will remove all your equipment off the job on the 5th of January. And it was like, we had 38 employees at the time, and it was just, we knew then, that was the end of Ortec. That was it, 24 years, and it was like, and- it's Gone in a flash. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. And so we got done out of, 1.15, we we sat down and negotiated in the February, in the January. We sat in a room and I said, look, I've got writs. I've got a, like a writ to serve on you for 170 grand, which they had to pay because it was all this equipment. Mm. We'd sold them, which they had to pay anyway. And they offered with 300. Mm. So it was like 130 grand. They had to pay with 170 or else yeah. we would have just wound them up, you know, so because they had signed our terms and conditions. And the other stuff, we were going to go to court and all that, you know. And then, um, and it was like, yeah, we'll give you 300 grand. I'm like, shove it. And then it was the comeback a day later, and it was like, we'll give you 400 over a three or six months period. And it was like, gives me 170 now. So we served them with a writ. We got the 170 within three days. And then we're fighting for 925. And then we went, we went through the process, the legal process, which is an absolute joke, yeah. especially in WA, man. It Fuck. Is. Yeah. It is, <laughs> honestly. I've seen it from the uh, family court side. Oh, I can just tell it's, you it's a fucking joke. <laughs> it's an absolute, honestly. And do you know, do you know it's, it's like the people that write this and that do this and like, there it is. If they would only go through it themselves, yeah. if they would only, you would only, God, wish mm. for them to actually go through their own process yeah. to see how unjust 
and how insignificantly simple it is and, yeah. and how and how much of a joke it is. I'll tell you one of the other things I noticed was how for some reason um, lawyers get revered as being super intelligent, but they're actually not Mate. in the slightest. They've just doubled down on this little process, which is the myopic view of the world. Yeah. And they charge obscene amount of money because for some reason law drags you into it. And people yeah. think that law is the way to get a sense of yeah. justice out of things. But again, the system tells you it not. is. Yeah. The system tell we've been taught Absolutely. over the years. When really most of these lawyers, they're not very smart at all. You you're the one that ends up trying to come out with a lateral thinking of yeah. how to approach it. Yeah. And 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 they're charging you seven minutes ago. So anyway. Nightmare. By the point. So, so we vortex. So we, you wind it up. So we basically, I well, it, well, we basically we didn't wind it up. We've got it wound itself. We had, we had, we had. We've got one point three million dollars worth of losses in the company, and I don't intend to pay a tax ever again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got them losses, and basically, so every cent I make from now is tax free. Nice. You know, yeah. So obviously the coaching business and everything else I do is through the Vortec and, and you can carry them losses on forever. I never knew this. Obviously right. this is sitting down with the accountants once the dust settled and everything's gone. And it yep. was like, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I. So of course we're just working through these losses. And it was funny cause my daughter a few, few months ago, she says, no, no, you'll definitely pay taxes again, dad. And I says, you reckon? And she says, oh yeah, easy. You're well going to make over a million dollars in that. And I thought, I like oh, that. Oh, that's not. Oh, you like that. I got That'd a nice good. lift out of that. You yeah. Know? So if I do pay taxes, it's yeah, awesome. I'm happy to pay tax. Yeah, yeah. Which I always was. Yeah. You know. So yeah. you must have wandered around in the wilderness for a while. It was there was twelve months. So from the end of 2016, well, early 2017 to like early 18, for that 12 months, it was oh god, we made some mistakes. We we sold our house. We'd lived in for 24 years because we had this block of land on the coast where Jeff, you know, Jeff had, yeah. Jeff had told all about, you know, all them years earlier. And I had this idea, I've got his, I've got his driver's license. I lost my bloody driver's license years ago. And I, and, I, and I rang him and I asked him to post his over so in case, because I had to use my van yeah. for speed. I'd lost my license for speeding and that running around because I was possessed to yeah. different jobs. So I got his license and I, and I got his driver's license in case I had to use it. Yeah. And it was never pulled up again, thank God, but I've still got his <laughs> license. And I had this thing about putting it in a, um, like a resin case and cement, like concreting it into the slab. I was, I was going to design, well, we did design um, this beautiful house on the coast and all that, you know, on, on the coast road. Yeah. And I thought, it's going to, and this is Jeff's corner. This was going to be Jeff's corner, you know. Yeah. Like literally on the pro on the property to look out over this view, you know, because nice obviously, one. yeah, that was me. That was me, like, uh, like to honour Jeff in a sense, because he died. He died a few years later. Right. I died uh, early nineties, I think, mid nineties. That was heartbreaking, that. Yeah. I but uh, anyway, yeah, that was like to honour Jeff, you know. But um, yeah, but I we um so two thousand seventeen we just. We ripped the band-aids off everywhere and, and we lost a fortune, mate. We just, we sold the land, we sold our house. Was you and Angie? Mrs. Me and Angie were just, we were basically, we, we were in shock, mate. We were, it was like 24 years of your life. We'd built up this, this 
thing. We created this thing. And of course, the people that were, were laying off, they were like family. Mm. Some of the guys that, with I was going to say, that must have been really hard. Oh, man. Honestly, I was, I was in the office next door and that news. I mean, one of the lads come in, like, and he, he was leaving that day and it was this, and as you don't see that, you know, and all that. And he come in and he just burst into tears and, you know, and there, was a, there was quite a few tears, man, but this particular day, and, and we just hugged and we just sobbed, you yeah. know, and, and then and he left and you're just thinking, bloody hell, what a heartbreaking situation. Yeah. Just sad, you know, but anyway, it was just another, another test and another part of your life, you know, Yeah. and that's all this is, you know, just how are you going to react now, Davey, you know, what's going to happen next? And for that, yeah, so we bought this new house, sold the land. We had, this was a factory. This was just full of equipment and gear and shitloads of gear. And we basically run away. We run away to England for 12 weeks. Um, and I just, and I had this thing, I'm going to get over there, bloody scream, punch a wall, cry, whatever. And it'll all be sorted when I come back, but nothing had changed. It was just worse. There was still legal shit to deal with. It was still getting bills from the lawyers. Every other month, there's another few grand bill. And I'm like, for what? What the? F what you? Yeah. What's this for? Oh, that's for this. And I thought we'd done that. No, no, we'd only done half of it. And and you just like, you just want it to Angry. end. You just want it to end. And this rage, mate. This yeah. fucking rage inside here. This was just fucking venom, man. It was just years and years of you know just taking shit. Oh fuck! It was horrible. Horrible. And it was like, what, you know. Anyway, so that particular year, I call it like survived, you know. We just, yeah. we, we kept our heads down, did a few changes to the new house. And, and well, it was funny because it was, it, was, <laughs> it was really, me and Andrew were talking about this the other week. We started eating porridge. It was in the winter. And we started yeah. eating porridge underneath the pergola area. Like, the, like, we've got like a nice alfresco area, the new house, got these heaters in, got these gas heaters in, whatever, beautiful. Mm. And would sit there, but would have like with porridge in the morning and we didn't have work. So financially we'd survived. Financially we're okay. Even yeah. though we'd lost all that money, the business was gone. We weren't like, a, it wasn't like, I had to like get up and start working again and yeah, grab me bollocks off. Financially we're safe, okay? So the, like the box was ticked and it was like, thank God for that, right? So it was a bit, so it was like, we didn't have that drive to get up and get out. We were, we were literally licking my wounds and just yeah, consolidating, just healing. Yeah, yeah, just, it's literally, it is, it's healing. And you sit there and you, you know, you have a few tears and you have a bit of anger and then you, and then the next day it's not as bad as it was and you're, deal, and you're dealing with a death. It's yeah. basically a grieving period, mate. Mm. That's exactly, honestly, I mean, the, we went through the full stages, the disbelief, the anger, the this, the now, whatever. And of course, um, and we're eating porridge, and I remember this particular day, and it just, and it was like, I can't eat porridge anymore. It was, it was yep. weird. It was weird. It was like, I can't eat porridge anymore. I'm done eating porridge. Sitting under here, under the heaters, reading the paper, listening to the news, going through the bloody iPad shit, you know? Doing shit. Doing shit, doing chewing, nothing, just chilling, just surviving, brain. just surviving. I call it surviving. Yeah. And I says, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And then I've been speaking to my brother. My brother lives in the States. And he said, uh, he says, I think, he says, I think it would do you good, mate, to come over and do this course. And he's been doing like men's work. Yeah. You know, like coaching, sort of like, you know, 
communication with men and whatever for like years and that, you know, doing his own work and that. And I says, yeah, I'd heard him speaking about this course before, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I says, when is it? February 2018. I says, aye, I'm coming. I'm and I went to the States and it was just unbelievable. What was that? Unbelievable. Just a weekend course for men. It's the first time I'd ever done men's work. Just men. What do you mean by men's work? It's, it's men. It's men dealing with shit. It's men, like people like me and you, mm. having a conversation without judgment. Yeah. I, I have, and, I, and this is something I've learned over the last few years, I have no fucking right whatsoever to ever judge you. Yeah. And you have no fucking right to ever judge me. You've got no idea what I've been through and I've got no idea what you've been through. Mm. And when you get that, when you really get that, then that acceptance and that, and that empathy and that care yes. for whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, and that, that non-judgment space of like, and even when it comes in and you think, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on, hold on. Just, aye, aye. So honestly, and I mean, it just gets, you get so aware, the more we do this work, the more aware you get, and it's like, just listen. Because a lot of, right, I'm going to go out on one at the moment, but, you know, it's very quick to talk about, we can be very quick to talk about how, you know, females can be very catty and, oh, and this, that, and yeah. the other. And, you know, I, I, that's not just an observation, that's what I've had yeah. other ladies Men's say just to me. Yeah, But men are judgy and they're Worse than women, man. You know, we're continually in our heads competing for resources. And the resources are money and women. Women, aye. Money, women. And, and just status? Status, yeah. You know, getting on with the job. I'm the favourite. I'm the, you know, we're looking. We, we are fundamentally, mate, I believe men are fundamentally looking for the approval of the father, of the, of the, of the, the yeah. dominant, whoever's in charge, right? Yeah. I'm doing a good job. Yeah. You know, whatever. We're looking for that approval. I'm doing well, you know? Yeah. And even if we're looking for approval of the men we're working with. Yeah. You know, that status, that lift up. And I, I described this, like the scent I was talking to someone. And you don't get given it. You have to go. No, and no, you've got to fight yourself. for it. You'll fight for it. You've got to fight for it. And then you kind of give it to yourself by fighting and yeah. thinking, oh, look at me now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you'd have gone through it with yeah. the, at the peak of the, co you know, oh. successful company, making yeah. millions. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm. But, it, but again, I'm, I was always back to that doing the right thing. I've, 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 honestly, I've, I'm, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds a bit of a wank. I'm not. I'm a lovely bloke. I've always mm. been a really nice guy. Like I've always done the right thing, and yeah, I've fucked up and I've made mistakes, and I've hurt people, and I, and I didn't intentionally get out to hurt them, and I've, you know, and, I, and I've done things wrong. Of course, I have. I'm like everyone else. But yeah. fundamentally, underneath the way I was brought up, you know, I was, I've always thought I've done the right thing. I yeah. wanted to do the right thing by people, you know, and be, and be a nice guy, mm. you know, and just and just 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 serve and just do. But of course you want to get on, yeah. you know, and that's, and and that's, that's where we these were. stories come yeah. in and you've got your drive from yeah. your dad. And Without da, 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 da. Yeah. So yeah, Without so you're in America, you're in this exploratory non-judgmental. So, so I went to the States and went on this course and um, basically we had to drive up in the Californian mountains freezing. And of course, before I went there, my brother's like, you know, me and my brother, me and my brother, Tony, man. Super close, me and my brother, and we are so alike, mate. Yeah, 
we are so like it is unreal man that our lives are just parallel like what's <laughs> Yes, yeah. what we've dealt with, and now we're at this age, in a, well, over the last 20 odd years, where we've had these conversations. Yeah. And him being like the older, you know, he's like my hero, you know, he's three years older than me, of course, you know, but, he's, but it's like, wow, you know. And it's, and, it, and it's like we've had these conversations where there's no judgment. How yeah. can they possibly judge you, brother? How can you possibly judge yeah. me? It's all out of love, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course, we went on this, on this course and it's freezing cold and my brother's like, of course I've took this stupid bloody jacket from Perth. And he's like, hey, are you packing? He says, that's not good. Yeah. He says, it's fucking freezing, man. Yeah. He, says, okay. Throw that. he says, well, go. And we went out and bought a big jacket, a big proper tog, tog thing, whatever it was called, you know, like yeah. big bloody proper jacket and all that. Because it was bitter cold in the, in the mountains of California. And he says, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's been a little bit of altitude, you know, not, you know, but he says, it's fucking freezing, Davey, you know. And uh, anyway, so of course we drove there and we got to this call and of course all these men and I was thinking, what the fuck's all this about, yeah. you know. And the guys like come over and it was like a military operation. It was like, a, honestly, mate, you would, you'd love it. You'd yeah. honestly, I would recommend anyone. And, and it's like a military operation. And it was just, all right, guys, all right, next. Just get out the cars, get your gear. Just put the keys in the car, leave all the gear there, blah, blah. Just get dressed, somewhat warm, come with me, just join the queue. And it was just like, yeah, all right. no, don't talk, you know, they talking, guys. Keep the, keep the laughter down, you know. And it was just, you know, and it was like, what the fuck, what the fuck. And we, we walk in this big, this big lane like this, and we come to this guy, and he's like, near me, there's a little badge, you know, there's your badge. And there's a mask, like a little paper, like a Lone Ranger mask. And he's like, put that in your pocket for later, Davy. And I'm like, yeah, put them, you know, whatever. And then we stood and then there was this big bridge, big bridge went over this mountain, this big canyon, like this mountain, like this river, like stream running underneath, you know? Yeah. There was a guy there and he's like, all right, Davy. Saged, saged as you know, first time yeah. I'd ever been saged, you know, like blessed, you know, yeah. like clean yeah. smudged, you know? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And he says, just walk and see the guy in the middle there, in the middle of the bridge, Davey. He says, okay, and have a chat with him. I says, yeah, yeah. And I'm walking across this bridge, you know, and there's a guy standing in the middle, you know, and I walked across this bridge. And I got to this guy, and he's, and he's, and I sort of stood like a metre off him. And, I, and, and even before I went to shake his hand, and obviously he's done this a thousand times, he just steps forward like this, and he puts his hand on my shoulders. And he says, Mr. Rowe, because your name's there, Mr. Rowe. Yeah. He says, Mr. Rowe, he says, this is your weekend. He says, I want you to go to the edge of that bridge there and you face that fucking mountain and you announce your name three times. You tell that mountain you have arrived. This is your weekend. And it was like, Fucking hell! It was, right. <laughs> it was just like Boom. wow, and I, and I went right, and I walked to the edge of the bridge, and I mean this magnificent fucking view, and I stood there, and I went, Roar! and as I did it once, I thought, fuck, and I felt this thing building inside. Roar! You know, and I announced yeah. my name three times, and by the third time. I was nearly crying. It was like, fuck, like I could feel like the adrenaline, like emotion. Yeah. And I thought, bloody hell. 
And then I come back to him and he says, you have arrived. Go and stand over there, mess around, and follow that queue. And I went and followed this other queue and the other guy and all these guys were screaming the name and it was like, bloody hell. I joined this other queue and I went down and were all standing underneath the bridge with a stream that had a fire there. And all these men were standing underneath the bridge and there was like 30, 40, 50 men, 60 men. And, we're, and the guy above were screaming. You could hear him yeah. announcing himself. Fuck, man, it was powerful. And it went on from there. Fucking powerful. And we underneath there, and it literally, it was like no one spoke, everything. And it was, um, and then one guy started, uh, Paul Velik, lovely guy, fucking powerful man. And Paul says, men, this is your weekend. We have, I think it was like 42 hours to make a difference. Do not fucking waste this time. Hmm. And it was just fucking hell. And then he says, take your, take the masks out. You all handed a mask. Put your mask on now. And we all put this paper mask on. And it was like, every man wears a mask. I mean, this was the first time I'd even heard the term. Yeah. Every man wears a mask. He says, we have worn masks all of our lives. And he says, I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask you, what mask are you wearing? Because this weekend, we will not be wearing a mask. This weekend, we burn the masks. What mask are you wearing? And he turned to this guy and, he, and, he, and it was like this. And this guy goes, what man are you or something? And he goes, angry man. And he says, welcome, angry man. And then he went the next one. And this guy's like, lonely man. And he's like, welcome. Lonely. And it was coming round, I'm thinking, fuck, who am I? Who the fuck am I, yeah. you know? And it was literally, and it was getting closer and closer. And I'm thinking, who the fuck am I? Who the fuck is Davy Rowe? And this was, honestly, this was like, it was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, yeah. you know? And it was literally, and it got to the guy next to us. And I'm thinking, who, it's me next. You've got 50, 60 guys, gonna, you know? And it was literally, and then it was like, Mr. Rowe, you know, like, who are you know, guns? I've got my shit together, man. And that's what I, if that's, that's the type of man I portray. Yes. I've got my shit together. I'm fucking, I've, it's all good, yeah? Nothing to say, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's fucking great, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I've got my shit together. And that was, that was, that was who I was on that weekend. And wow. it was like, fuck. And then we took the masks off and burned them in the fire. That was the first, like in a ritual burn, you know? And that was the start of that weekend. Oh, fuck. It was unbelievable. Changed your life. Fucking powerful, mate. Powerful weekend. And that was my introduction to men's work in the Californian mountains, fucking minus zero or something. And it was just, aye, unbelievable. By the Friday night, by the end of the Friday, I'm lying in bed about one o'clock and it was like camp beds, you know, like kids' school camp thing, you know, whatever, you know, bunk beds, farting, swearing, bloody, shit, you know, naked men, you know, just, Kids yeah. on camp, you know, whatever, you're just doing your thing. And I'm lying in this sleeping bag and I dealt with my anger by the end of the Friday night, mate. Yeah. We've done these exercises during the day. And I'm lying there and I'm thinking, fucking hell. And it was gone. And that tightness and that yeah. pain and that, that anger and that rage. That fight. <laughs> it was fucking gone. It was powerful stuff, man. Fucking powerful stuff. Yeah, and it was gone. And then um, I and then it was like, 
And then the next, then at the end of the weekend, it was basically, it was like, bring it on. I was scared of what was gonna, what was next. I was scared. No, I'm like, fucking bring it on. I'm mm. ready. But I knew at the end of that weekend that this, the work I'm doing now, this was my purpose. Mm. This was my, hi, this was my purpose. How do you go from being big into your own work, because you all obviously have carried on from there, mm. to then suddenly going, I want to help others with their work? That was, well, it's, it's, it's just natural. The two together. It's just natural, I, I think it's just like it's, it's like as a, in some respects, like as an apprentice, when I first went to serve my time, there was an old guy, and, and a lot of the guys slagged him off, old Billy, Billy Davison. I loved him. He was like a real lovely guy. He was like an old school, old guy, clever fucking artist, man. You know, yeah. a sheet metal, yeah, like just metal. anything, just, yeah. you know, old school, you know, old scraper. You know, it's like he's had it for 20, 30 years and it's like out yeah. of steel, which is like, and he grinds it up every now and again. And it's, anyway, it's just an old, old school stuff. But they used to see he's a miserable old bastard, you know. I fucking loved him. Yeah. I thought he was like a real lovely guy, you know. Yeah. And he taught us a lot, but it was like, he's teaching me as an apprentice. And of course, and then once I knew what I was doing as sheet metal worker, mm. I, it's like an honor. Yeah. It's an honor. You, you feel it to teach anyone. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, mate. If you bend that edge up first and you do that and you notch it like this, oh right, yes, Davey, you know, and you're like, yeah, because that's what old Billy did to me, you know. And, it, and you just, you, it's just, it's to me, it's natural. It's just life. Yeah, it's life. It's like a father and his son, you know. Yes. How to tie your shoelaces, how to kick a football, how to ride a bike, you know. It's just mm. you're just passing this on. So of course, when you do your own work, and you and you find healing and you find peace within, and you find, you know, this contentment and this, and this awareness and this, 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 these states of bliss, which you could never ever imagine were available to mm. ever to anyone, because you, you didn't even know it existed. Yeah. When you find these places of, of. When the stories stop and you get the access to yeah, these places. Yeah, when you, when you, when you find these experiences, which are so, so fulfilling and so like wow that's fucking true joy that's what it feels like to feel that it's like yeah that's what it feels like dear mm. when you get you you you, you kind of but share it i want to share it you know and and to help and to see and to see these these people like evolve and change in front of your eyes it's like it's a fucking miracle man it's a yeah. miracle mate and I, honestly, I witnessed miracles on that weekend. And, I, and I've done it so many times, you know, on different courses. Mm. And with me coaching and men's coach, uh, courses I've done and in Perth and in Bali. And, you know, it's on me coaching courses I've done the last two years, you know, like witnessing different coaching techniques. And, and, you, and you see them, you see it dissolve. You see, you see these people in front of your eyes just what is it that's dissolving it's the shit the pain the carrying yes it's it's the carrying from the childhood yeah we've you know and, and again i've been studying this for the past two and a bit years you know yeah. since i've gone into the coach and that and obviously read read stuff and watched documentaries and what fundamentally and you would know this anyway fundamentally so this is my belief show me the boy seven i'll show you the man 
So, you know, that's obviously a very old saying, but and I, I think it was, to be honest with you, and I think it was um, Aristotle first come out with it or something. I th I'm sure it was a Greek, yeah. I'm sure it was a Greek sort of philosopher or, I am sure it was an old Greek philosopher that said that, you know, show me the boys seven or give me the boys, boys seven, I'll give you, I'll show you the man. So anyway, mm. but it, but fundamentally, so, and this is science has proven, Joe Dispenser, you know, Bruce Lipton's, 90% of your values and beliefs and identity is formed between the age of zero and seven. Yeah. These are facts. around this hypnotic state. These are facts, right? Because you're in this, you're in this theta brainwave state, like a little sponge, and you suck it all in, and your parents, and your community, and your environment, and your siblings, and your school friends, and whatever it is it is, this is who I am, this is whatever, blah, blah. So 90% of what you are today, at this moment in time, was created within the first seven years. The next 20 years is basically creating the next, the next, 10%. So by the age of 28, whatever it is, that's it, bang, next, you're complete. Right? So you're wrapped up in your little bubble and that's it. This is who you are. That's what you are. But 90% of that is is a child. Yeah. How the fuck does that serve us as adults having these limiting beliefs and fears and anxiety and identities that are like from a child's perspective? Yeah. How the hell is that serving us in our adult life now? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So the realisation is, first of all, you've got to understand that bit. These are facts. This is, I'm not making this up. This is scientific. These, these, are the, these are the rules of life. Yeah. So now as an adult, what are you scared of? Because everything's fears behind most things. Fears behind vast majority of, of problems and whatever, right? So what, you know, so what you're scared of is generally a limiting belief or something from your childhood, from your past, something happened and you made it mean this, whatever it is it is. Mm. And fundamentally, you can literally, there's coaching techniques and, and some of the techniques I use now and what I've seen used and some of the men's work techniques and that, which can fundamentally transform you within minutes, within an hour. Yeah. Within, you... It's, it is like, it is like I've seen it and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and I've, I've had it and it, and it literally, it, it, it melts away mm. and you no longer feel that. And the new neural pathway is just gone. <laughs> and you feel a bit heady, you feel a bit dizzy, a little bit spacey. Bit dreamy. Bit dreamy, blah, blah. And that's all, <laughs> all of this is working and they've got it. And again, it's all proven, you're Joe Dispenser's, you Bruce Slippens have got it on graphs. There it is, there it is on the screen. You can see the new synapses. Billions and billions, millions of these synapses working, yep. whatever. And you can see it forming. And now you have a new pathway. Now you have a new thought pattern from that old thing. So that old thing of being bullied at school. I was bullied at school, right? And picked on and whatever and blah, blah. So now, now I see bullies. I will actually, and I've always done it, like stepped in to stop it. I won't have it. Mm. I'll not fucking have it, right? I won't have someone bullying someone else. I won't have it in my space. It's just one of my boundaries. I, I don't yeah. do it, right? I won't allow it, you know? And whatever the situation is, I won't, I won't allow it. So it's like, but I'm not, where I was like scared, if, if it, like as a child, I was scared of being bullied and picked on whatever. I'll actually, I've, I've found the courage now over the years with the work I've done 
I'll literally, I'll step in. And if it's a guy that's going to chin his or he's, whatever, I'll, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But I won't yeah. have the bullying. Yeah. So it's like that fear now is no longer there. Yeah. Whereas it used to be there, but now it's not there. Yes. You know, and of course it's like, and, but with the work I've done and the different things and limiting beliefs, I mean, like fear of, fear of judgment, you know, fear of, fear of success. Like, fuck, responsibility is huge, man. Yeah. There's so many people scared of being successful, you know. 100%. And it's like, isn't this what, what are you doing this for? And it's like, yeah, yeah, Brown, we go to that phone, then I pull back. Why the hell do you do that? It's like, well, if I go past that lane, it means I've got to take on more staff and yeah. do it. And it's like, well, what are you doing it for? Just to survive. And you're like, really? <laughs> so then you, let's get underneath. Why, what's the fear of having more responsibility? You know? And a lot of this stuff is literally getting underneath to the core. And we're talking like core, core issues, mate. Yeah. Core beliefs, core identities. And if you can get the core identities, there's the stuff there and there's a reason behind it. Yeah. You know? If they're not meant to be there. Yeah. Or they're not serving you. Yeah. Or they've served you so far in life. And that was the other thing. Like, like your story with your dad. Perfect. to build the company. Perfect. I've had podcast guests before. The story that they picked up out of the childhood is the one that's driven them. Without a and doubt. And then all of a sudden, you've gone past the shelf yep. life. Yep. That's it. And now it's wearing you out. That's, that's, well, that was literally on my knees. Exhausted. You know. I mean, that was, that was a classic, which we sort of skipped, but I think it was 2000 and, 2002, I think it was. I can't remember. Early 2000s with a landmark. Mm. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm literally, I'm, so I'm successful businessman, blah, blah. I had about 14, 15 staff. I'm driving down the freeway. And this early morning, I was sort of on the tools, off the tools. And I'm literally driving down the freeway in the van. And I'm like, I'm fucking exhausted. And this thought come in my mind, I'll drive my van off the road. I'm going to crash the van. I'm going to break my legs. And I'm not going to be able to go to work. And it was like, what the fuck? And it was like, instantly, like, where'd that come from? And it was like, do you want to commit suicide? You know, do you want to like end No, I just want to stop. And it was, and it was, I didn't want to commit suicide. Beautiful wife, beautiful kids, all that. I've got a success. What, well, what's the problem? I just need this pain to stop. I need to rest. I need to rest, but I don't know how to rest. I couldn't rest, mate. Hmm. Anyone that knew me in them days, you know, family, friends, whatever. Yeah, Davey, driving, driving, just driving. A, just an absolute fucking machine, mate. And honestly, in my 30s, I'd fucking, I'd run through that fucking wall. Seriously. It'd be like, you need to run through that wall, Davey, All to right. get to the next stage. And I would literally just fucking run through that wall. I'd like, hold then, bang. And like, I didn't get through the first time. I'd try it again and again and yeah. again. And it was like, there, I'm through the wall. What now? Bloody hell, I didn't think you'd do it. Oh, yeah, I am through the fucking wall. What's next? Because all I ever wanted in my life was someone to tell me what to do. My father. Yes. All I ever wanted in my life was someone to tell me what to do. Mm. You know? So how... Um... How do you see the requirement now in this day here in June 2020? How do you see the requirement now for men's circles and stuff like that? It's massive, man. Mm. 
It's massive, mate. It's so needed. The men's work, the men, look, the men's work, like me and Dan's doing, you know, I've got like a partner with Authentic Men, you know, I've started yeah. these, um, this like business, this group, you know, this community called Authentic Men, you know, and me and Dan's working together. And Dan's a young lad I met uh, on my coaching course and that, mm. you know, and, um, and the community we're creating, which is really, you know, we do like the free Zooms on a Monday night, free, so any guys that's struggling or a little bit lost, whatever, come on the free Zooms and talk about different subjects, or we're doing like a men's circle, yeah, we're going to be doing that, like a proper course, you know, like we've, we've created like Seize Your Power, it's called Seize Your Power course, like a nine-week journey, self-discovery, from who am I, that's the yep. first one, you know, who am I, and then all the way through to finding your purpose. You know, like moving on in life, you know, whatever that purpose is. Whether If your purpose is being a caretaker at a school and having a having a rental property and, and loving your family and kids, that's beautiful. Then be the caretaker at school and love your family and kids and just live that life of contentment. If your purpose is running a multi-million dollar business, brilliant, good on you. We're here to guide Either you. Or. We're here to guide you to find clarity, to find the way forward, to deal with the past stuff stuff, shit, that's holding you back, you know? And that's what men's work's about. Having having these honest and sometimes brutal conversations, mm. and a lot of men are terrified of this because they have to be vulnerable. We don't do that. No. Men do, want to, do not want to be vulnerable. Doesn't help in the competition for resources, doesn't. does it? <laughs> doesn't help with competition for money, women, you know, prosperity, whatever, getting on, being liked, whatever, yeah. me being vulnerable, you know? And it, and, it, and it doesn't, so it can be difficult, but at the same time, once you've done it, and we've all done it, you know, we've been in these situations where we've had these conversations, mm. and because you weren't judged, because you're in this safe, trusted space where no one's going to judge you in here, mm. You know? You can explore. Yeah. Because only when you're not judged can you then have these conversations, which are powerful conversations, to then create something else. You know, and understand that's the emotion underneath that. Yeah. I'm feeling this, but I didn't even know it was that. Yeah. That's what it is. That's where it comes from. And that's where it's come from. Yes. That's where I picked that shit up. That's where it is. So I feel this shit, and now I'm going to numb it because it's painful. I'm going to get pissed. I'm going to take drugs. I'm going to go and punch someone's head in. I'm going to gant the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Go to the gym, watch the footy. All of this, this is all just plaster, 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 plaster. You know, the infection in the wound is this. Yes. And whatever this is, whether it was child, God forbid, you're abused as a child or you are, you know, whether it was emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever, sexually, God forbid it was that, or you are bullied or you are laughed at at school or whatever it is, it is, whatever that is, that's that. And this is hiding underneath that. And this course, the idea of this course that we've created and men's work in, not even this course, men's work as a whole, the idea of men's work as a whole and whatever is literally to get, to get to that. And when you shine light on this, like a shadow, you yeah. know, I was talking about shadow work, you've realised you're wearing a mask, now you, now you can see your shadow which has been driving you, this negative influence which isn't serving you any now, any greater now, you know, it's not serving you at all now. Now, like anything, you shine a light on a shadow and it disappears. 
shadows, can it be hidden? You know, I mean, yeah. someone told us that with a flame once, and I'm like, really? A candle doesn't have a shadow, and it doesn't? So I literally went home and I lit a match, and I put it up against the wall, because I'm thinking there's going to be a shadow off, off the candle, and there wasn't, because obviously that was the greater light. If there was a greater light out here, it would. Yeah. You know, but because the, cause the candle was the greater light, or the match was the greater light, it was, there was no shadow off there, and I thought, Oh, it's, oh, it clever. sounds daft, doesn't it? But it was like, oh, it was obvious, really. Yeah. I but shadows cannot live in light. So the idea is to discover what this is, bring it out in the open. It's not as scary as you think it is. No. Bring it out in the open. When it's out in the open, now let's look at it. Yeah. Bloody hell. Am I still not going for that promotion because I was bullied at school? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing that's holding you back, mate. How do I deal with this? He has some techniques, he has some tools, he has some tips. Let's deal with being bullied at school. Suddenly that doesn't bother me anymore. I'm going to get this promotion. And it's like, go and get the promotion. Off you go. Bang. And that's, that's, that's what this is about, mate. That's what all men's work is about. Dealing with our shit. But taking radical responsibility for everything that's went on in your life. Yes. Even to the point of now, with the work I've done, I honour, honour my father to a level where, wow, you know, if it wasn't for my father's death, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here, literally. Yeah. I wouldn't be having this conversation with mm. you. I wouldn't be in this incredible space. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have the, the, the knowledge, the pain, the healing, the feelings of love and contentment to a level where it's like, beyond anything I've ever, I've ever experienced, man. It's like incredible. And then you wouldn't have had those two other traumatic events no. with Perth Stadium no. and the Children's Hospital. No. Which, likewise. Massive. You've got to be grateful for. Oh, fuck. I mean, Perth, Perth State, I did a course with Timmy Morrison yep. in, in Bali called The Brave. Incredible, this course. Incredible, this course. Super, super powerful, beautiful. I finished this session with Timmy. We're talking about taking radical responsibility for your life and different things, whatever it was, you know. It's a group of 14 guys on this course. Beautiful setting in this resort. Finished this setting, come away, got my journal out, just writing. And I wrote a if I give this letter to the guys, I forgive them, um, to the guys that I had the dispute with on the stadium. Mm. And, and I basically thanked them. Yeah. And I thanked them for the lessons and, you know, the experience yeah. to put me on this path now, you know? And I wrote it by hand then. I was in Bali a couple of days before I come back to Perth and I typed it up and I, and I rang five different people for advice with regards to the wording on the letter. And I couldn't get through to any of them. And I wrote this letter and I'd, and I'd got the email set up to send this letter. And I rang five different people, obviously Angie, you know, my brother. Um, anyway, I rang another three different people and I couldn't get an answer. And I thought there's a reason why I'm not getting an answer. Davy, just trust yourself, son. Yeah. Just go with it. And that was it. And I send. And I flicked the email. And the next day, 
I got a reply off one of the guys. There was three directors that were involved with the situation. And I got a reply off one of them and it was just, thanks for the letter, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm pleased you found um, like peace sort of thing, you know, and, and good luck with what you're doing, you know, sort of thing. Uh, one of the other guys said pretty much the same thing and he's like, thanks for the letter, appreciate it. Um, I'm, pleased you've, I'm pleased you're moving on and I also forgive you. And as, and as soon as I read that, it was like, fucking cheeky bastard. <laughs> I'm and, the one doing the forgiving here. And it was like, cheeky bastard. But it was like, it was within, fuck, man. It was, it was, it's like, a, it's like a millisecond, man. Yeah. The awareness now was like, you get, the more, the more you do this work, you become so acute to, to what, and so attuned to what you're dealing with. And it was just, Davey, let it go. And it was like, it's gone. And it, and it literally, it was like yeah. literally, instantaneously, it was like, cheeky bastard. Like, why should, and it was like, whoa, this is his. I was a twat. I did go out to hurt them. I slagged them off to everyone in Perth. Yeah, I went out my way to fucking, to embarrass these people, to really try and put them down because at that stage I was yeah. in pain, I was angry, I was fighting them, whatever, you know, the cheated is, is this, is that. That was the belief then and it was all, you know, and it was like, let it go, Davey. And it, within a second, it gone. And then I got an email off a, or a text off one of the other guys and he just says, really appreciate the letter, blah, blah. I'd like to meet up for a chat. And I goes, yeah, no sweat. So we went for breakfast a couple of months later. And yeah, he was, he was really grateful. And he's, he was really, you know, thankful for, you know, for what I'd done and the steps I'd took and whatever. And, Mm. Yeah, and he obviously sincerely apologised. You know, and obviously that 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 hurt me personally, that hurt my family, that hurt the business. The business was ruined in a sense, you know. And this, these are facts. This is what happened, you yeah. know. And and he realised, and he got that, you know. And he mm. says, he says, I just, he says, I really do want to apologise. And and it was sincere, and it was genuine and authentic. And yeah, you know, and I thanked them, and you know, and yeah, and that was it. And. And that was the end of the time. We sort of parted company and he said, look, I'd like to keep in touch. I says, yeah, of course, mate, please. Just keep in touch, no problem. Mm. And yeah, and I've got any problems, but now the fear isn't there for me to bump into these guys. Yeah. Because obviously the fear was always about, you know, if one of them says I'm going to lose it, because I knew that within that first 12 months, mate, wow. Within that first 12 months, I was like, do not fucking dare walk into a pub if I'm there. <laughs> do not fucking dare fucking question or because it was th this rage, mate. Oh, fuck. This. And it's in all of us. Yeah. It's in all of us. It's in every, every human being. It's That's in women. To generate. It's, it's in women, mate. It's in men. It's in everywhere. We mm. in, you know, I've, I've, only, I've only lost my temper twice in my life and it scared the shit out of me scared the shit because I I knew I can kill someone with my hands and it sounds ridiculous but it's like I mean everyone can we can all yes but I knew at the time the first time I lost my temper fuck. and I, I got all emotional I was crying afterward for like a day and a bit later and I, I was I was telling Angie and I was like crying and it was like and it was like and it was like because I knew it was like Fucking hell, I was literally going to kill that man, you know, I was going to literally rip his throat out and kill him, you yeah. know, because that's, that's, it was horrible, it was horrible, mm. scary, but I, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, but that's the lesson I, but forgiveness is, forgiveness, mate, is, is one of the, 
I would say it's one of the hardest things I've had to deal with, but one of the most rewarding, fulfilling ends. And the relief at the end of it, it it's, just, it's just like, why do you want to carry that? Yeah. Why do you want that? Carry that fucking bag. It's this big pain in here, man. And it's like, and why? It fucks everything else. Up. Yeah, why do you want to carry that resentment and anger? And that wound is bleeding over everything. Yeah, it's like horrible. It's, and it's literally, it's just like, thank you. It's gone. It's enough. It's not mine. There we go. Ah, it's gone. Yeah. So the question I like to close out my podcast with is, you know, we've been on this incredible fucking journey over the last hour or so is um and it kind of helps to sum everything all up but um and turn it into a little nugget is that if you could take a little nugget of information and upload it into the collective consciousness this is davy's like yeah. contribution to the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it yeah it's part of the program what yeah. would it be it's it, it Change doesn't have to take a long time. And it doesn't have to be that painful. Yeah. Like, I've wit honestly, Bryn, I've witnessed it over and over again. And I'm talking, like, massive transformation in people. You know, with some of these, I mean, like, you know, you, like, we're NLP, you know, like, parts integration. Yeah. MBIT, which is, like, incredibly strong. You know, it's, like, timeline therapy. Like, some of these techniques... And now I'm studying the gamma brainwaves now. I'm yes. now looking into gamma, yes. which is like a different level again. I've just started getting into this because that's going to be a game changer massively. You know, into the future, we're talking about tapping into theta brainwave state. Yeah. So that was like, so basically, Bruce Lipton basically says zero to seven, you're in that theta yeah. brainwave state. So let's go, let's go back to there yeah. and tap into that and remove stuff that doesn't serve with, install mm. stuff that does serve with, now the neurons will collect, you know, bang, that's it. Gamma is. Gamma is another level again. And it's like, again, the stuff I'm reading about it, whatever. It's That's connecting to bigger and higher yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, that's high awareness, which is like incredible. So that's what I'm, stu that's what I'm studying now, gamma. So change but, um, doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't. And people are, people are so, people think this, I've been carrying this for 20, 30, 40, 50 fucking years. And, and it's going to take 20, 40, 50 years to get rid of. It's like it doesn't. It can literally, within minutes, when you are ready to release and relieve yourself of this shit and this pain you are carrying, hmm. and you have that conversation. Because it doesn't physically exist, no, does it? No, it's no, not like a fucking stone no, you have to physically no, carry. No, it's just something you are carrying in there in the pain it's causing you, and you can literally have a conversation, and within five minutes, man, within 10 minutes, you can suddenly be like, so, if I do this, that'll that, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you see it, and you see it, you see it, you see the physiology, you see, you see, you see it, you see the emotion, and it's like, so at the end, I mean, I've, I've done sessions and seriously, I've done sessions and, and it's like, and literally, especially with this M bit, which is like incredible. And I've, and I've got clients like, sort of like, sort of like waking up and they're like, like waking up, you know, they're coming out yeah. of this like relaxed state. This, it's like tears roll down the face and they're like, fucking hell, Davey, what happened there? 
And I'm like, it's unreal, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Every time I witness it, man, it's like, it's, just, it's incredible, isn't it? And, it's, and I'm like crying with you. And I mean, I, I feel know. the emotion. It's just that connection, that bond. But you're just like, bloody hell, man, it's powerful, isn't it? And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, I oh, know. I love this. I love this work. It is so fucking rewarding, mate. Aye. I love it. It's, just, it's my higher purpose, mate. Mm. Aye. But it doesn't have to take long. And it is much easier than you think. That's me. Nugget. <laughs> Excellent. Hi. Dave, it's been such a pleasure listening to you. Thanks, mate. It's been an honour. Thank you. Um, if if somebody's watching this and they want to find out where you are, yeah. Right, well, we're here in the EQ. Hi. <laughs> EQ Wellness Centre. How can Centre. we find you? Um, EQ Wellness Centre. Um, that's Facebook page or um, Coaching EQ. That's my coaching business, Coaching EQ, Emotional Intelligence. Uh, Davey Rowe. Um, I'm on um, Instagram as well. Um, EQ Wellness Centre on Instagram. So, yeah, you'll get his eye, or else just chase us up on your podcast. Indeed. <laughs> Davey, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, mate. No, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Good conversation. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. There right. we go. Yeah, thanks, Bryn. Right, I'll, I'll... Do you want a hug? Yeah, come on, let's have a hug. <laughs> for the camera. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you. Cheers, mate.